4: Yep, it was in The Guardian, Donald Trump on Fox and Friends back in in 2020. He said the things they had in there were crazy. They had things, level of voting, that if you'd ever agreed to it, you'd never have a Republican elected in this country again. He had things in there about election days. They had things in there that were just totally crazy. That had nothing to do with workers that lost their jobs and companies that we have to save. Right. If you ever agreed to it, you'd never have a Republican elected in this country again. Donald Trump on Fox & Friends. Surprise, surprise. Zeke in Portland, Oregon. Hey, Zeke, what's on your mind today?
5: Uh, Tom, I just have to point out that, uh, per Mr. Uh, Senator Rounds and Senator Romney, what they're saying about, well, maybe the election was free and fair. You're totally missing it, sir. Okay. What's going on here? What's going on here? These guys, they may not be very nice people, and I don't think they are, but they're smart people. And they understand that the Trump cult has taken over their party. And these people are about to nominate extreme wackos in the primary situation upcoming in the next cycle. These people are not going to be well perceived by high-dollar Republicans, educated Republicans, and high-dollar educated, independent, in the suburbs, they are not going to do well. You were seeing what's going on here is a classic case of what fascists do. They overreach. And that is really good news for us. But, you know, I understand the premise you laid out, and you did it very well. You know, you gave us the Weyrich thing. You gave us the anecdote about Rehnquist. Voter suppression is in the DNA of the fascist Republican Party. But you never closed the circle on that. You never explained to me Given that voter suppression is in their DNA, how does that relate to what Rounds and Romney are doing?
4: Oh, I'm saying, I I thought I was explicit. They are now feeling safe to trash Trump because they got what they needed out of him. They got the voter suppression, you have 400 pieces of voter suppression legislation, uh, almost 40 of which have been put into effect in 20 states. That's what they wanted. They wanted to cement their power. They wanted to to bring Jim Crow 2.0 into into being, and it's here. I agree. They don't don't, need the big lie anymore to pass these laws. So they're throwing Trump over the, yep. over, you know, off the bus for the, for exactly the reasons you laid out, Zeke. It's like you know this is why the, the Democrats were celebrating when Ron Johnson yesterday, sorry, the day before yesterday, said he was going to run for re-election. Ron Johnson is a is a, a whack job. I mean, you know, he's he's probably not going to win that election in Wisconsin, which is great. I mean, it gives it may give us a Democratic senator if we can get a good candidate. It may give a, get us a Democratic senator who can, you know, m- render Kirsten Cinema or Joe Manchin irrelevant. And we might have a great 2022 if we can do that. If we can hold of the House. Well,
5: well, thank you for just making my point, Tom. <laughs> You're welcome. have you got, got I agree a guy named Ron Johnson who is so far down the Trump rabbit hole on the big lie that he may not he may not pass muster in the suburbs where these things are going to be decided right. and they are trying these guys are making a feeble attempt in my opinion i'm talking about rounds and romney they're making a feeble attempt to break the hold of the trump cult on their party and i don't think it's going to work out well for them okay
4: i don't think it's going to work out well for them before the primary season which is going to start in about a, what, two months um, mm-hmm. and, and, and probably this general election, which is why I think that there's still a chance that the Democrats can hold on to the House and Senate. The, the challenge is going to be 2024. I think, I think by the time uh, the 2022 election is over, uh, in all probability, the, the RNC is going to start a concerted effort to dump Trump. And then it's going to get real interesting. But, Zeke, I, I think you and I are thinking the same thing. And I appreciate you saying it so well. I'm sorry I was less than clear. Thank you very much for the call. Omar in Herndon, Virginia.
6: Hey, Omar. I don't know if you remember when Joe Manchin said that he can't explain Bill Better to uh, the constituent. If he can't explain money going to family who needed pocket, he must be slow. If he cannot... Explain money allocated for roads, build bridges. He must be slow. So his new name should be Slow Manchin from now on moving forward. Um, But what I wanted to talk about, Tom, is that this whole notion that uh, Biden is not doing anything, Biden did everything he can to make sure that this bill passed. If there's anyone to blame, it's Cinema and Joe Manchin.
4: And Every single Republican, Omar, let us not forget every single Republican. You would have thought that, you know, at least a couple of people who portray themselves as moderates um, would have stepped up to the plate. I mean, Lisa Murkowski even voted to impeach Trump. I mean, she's she doesn't have a lot to lose, uh, you know, I would say by taking, you know, a a principal position. But now she couldn't do it either.
6: That beg me to ask the question Did some of those modern Republican, uh, were they twisted? Did we appeal to them? Oh, is something that I'd be seeing from the Clearly,
4: Mitch McConnell controls his caucus with an iron fist. And he said, You cross me and you will regret it. Uh, You know, Chuck Schumer is unwilling to threaten people, Mitch McConnell is quite willing to threaten people.
6: Well, that, that's that's I mean that's very uh, disturbing. Uh, and the other thing I don't know if you're aware of this, but um, um, Steve Bannon was advising uh, Glenn Youngkin in Virginia in his, his gubernatorial race. Right. You know, and and I and I really think that the Virginia governor race is going to be the template for 2024 uh, presidential uh, candidate. And the Republican, what they're trying to do right now, is forget about the presidency. Let's go back to grassroots movement. They're going to go back to the governors, because their, eye, their strategy is to get those 34 governors and change the Constitution. It's work in motion right now. I With agree. Steve Bannon and and all these Republicans, they basically going to the state, and they and they planning clerk of race and they're planning the race car, and they're just trying to get 34 governors. Mm-hmm. And once, once 34 governors you know, we have, once we have 34 Republican governors, we're in trouble. This is the same thing they did with the Supreme Court. Mr. McConnell planted to take over the Supreme Court 10 years ago, and mm-hmm. he put a game plan in motion. The same thing is happening right now with 34 governors and the Constitution that they will decide to change. Yeah, these, these, these
4: right-wing Republicans and the, billion, and the right-wing billionaires and foundations who fund them do not believe in democracy. They believe in oligarchy. Um, they look at the kingdoms of Europe for a thousand years and say, you know, that was a very stable time. People knew their place. There was order. There was stability. We need to return to that. Uh, and that means, you know, uh, reducing the wealth of the American middle class so that people are desperate and frightened and, and they won't, you know, protest against their employers or try to strike. It, it, it means, uh, you know, keeping people in debt with regard to schools so that they won't protest against yeah, you know, schools. It means keeping women them in their vote. place, yeah. in quotes, and minorities. I mean, that's what it's all about.
6: And that allow them to vote, making sure that, that, of course. that voter protection doesn't pass. So I think we have to really uh, put a game plan together and
4: listen to Bernie. Thank yeah, you. I'm with you. Thanks, Omar. Gareth in Stratford, New Hampshire. Hey, Gareth, what's on your mind today?
7: Whether it be the, uh, the tax cuts for the billionaires or the... Uh, you know, the bad health care bill that, you know, Trump tried to pass that would have removed between 15 and about 25 million people off health insurance. Um, we see the growing movement of the right evangelical church with, uh, with uh, the Republican Party. And you had a guest on the other day who had a book called If God Is Love, Don't Be a Jerk. Right. And my question is. Is you know what do we do about this because I you know are they are they using Christianity and you brought this up too are are they are they are they using Christianity as a way to almost seal themselves from race their racism and their hatred for other people
4: well the the white evangelical movement is a white evangelical movement I mean it's it's uh, in many ways racist to its core uh, number one, number two, uh, religion has been heavily politicized. This started in nineteen in the uh, 19, in the election of nineteen eighty, when Ronald Reagan asked his vice president vice presidential candidate George Herbert Walker Bush um, to bring his son in as a, you know George W. Bush, uh, who was a recovered alcoholic and credited fundamentalist Christianity for his recovery bring him in as a liaison yeah. to, the, to the white religious community, the evangelical community. At that point in time, by the way, the white evangelical community supported abortion rights. And everybody really? changed their position that year, 1980. And that was when... Oh, they did use to support. Oh, absolutely. As did Reagan. Reagan signed the most liberal abortion law in America when he was governor of California. And George Herbert Walker Bush was on the board, or a big supporter of, maybe his wife was on the board, of Planned Parenthood. And all that changed with the 1980 election, when they decided, okay, we're going to do these social issues. We're going to jump into bed with the anti-abortion people. We're going to bring the Catholics and the white evangelicals together, and this is going to contribute along with the, the the white racist base, along you know, along with the white supremacists. This is how we're going to win elections, and it's worked for so them do, up to this point.
7: And how do we reach out to these people? Because you know, I you know, I I know some people that are. Very conservative that go to church, both not even people that are just white. Like, I, like I'm like i not even saying like it's they're saying it's only white people can come to these churches. I, I'm just, you know, but I've noticed that they've really gone towards the Republican Party. And I, oh, I they're think preaching politics you know, very, in the and they're doing this all in the name of Jesus. All you know, yep. whether it's the tax cuts or all the things that go, you know, me and you point out clearly against the teachings of Christ. Yeah. And it's just like, how do we reach out to these people? Do, should we talk to them? Should we? try to, you know, even maybe set up some kind of meeting at these churches to, you know, speak with them? Like, how should
4: we deal with this? I think we need to be outing the hustlers who are running these scams. First of all, they're, they're, they're defying tax law, and they're doing it gleefully. Secondly, they're, they're running scams on their own parishioners. Um, uh, many of these people are just mind-bogglingly rich, um, you know, sadly, yep. getting into politics and getting into religion at, at scale, at the higher levels. Have have become two great ways to individually get rich in America, and it should not be. I think the you know the Jim Jim and Tammy Faye Baker kinds of scandals. um, uh, We need more focus on them, frankly. Gara, thanks a lot for the call. I I don't have an easy answer, and I and 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 I think to a large extent, when you're talking about reaching out to individual uh, people who are embedded in those churches, it's the challenge of trying to reach someone who has bought into a cult. And it may, it, you're probably not going to have success. Okay, a bunch of stuff going on here I, um, that uh, I wanted to get back into, uh, including how Stacey Abrams could win Georgia. Let me just just add a, a footnote, by the way, to the whole you know, Trump criminal rant that I started in the previous uh, segment. Uh, Business Insider is saying that the Trump International Golf Club in Scotland, which is worth uh, $12.5 million, that's what Trump paid for it. Uh, they, They are claiming it's worth $161 million so that they can say to banks, hey, loan us money against this asset. And it turns out that they based that on a statement that one of trump's executives made to Forbes magazine and so they quoted that and said hey here's the value of this thing in other words it's a scam and what the what the uh, new york state officials are looking into is whether the trump organization was keeping two sets of books and it's fairly obvious that they were and it doesn't get worse than that i mean that is that's how mafia accounting happens and now you've got an, an atlanta district attorney requesting a special grand jury in the trump election inquiry uh, this, uh, you know, Fannie Willis, this has not happened up to this point. We would expected that, you know, if she's going to seriously go after Donald Trump as a criminal for trying to, trying to basically force Brad Raphson to to come up with 11,000-plus votes, then she's going to need a grand jury to do it, to have the subpoena power to do that. And they just empaneled a grand jury today. This is very bad news for the Trump organization and Donald Trump and his and the entire Trump crime family okay Stacy Abrams she wants to finish the job she started four years ago and this is when you know four years ago she ran for governor she uh, uh, mobilized people to get people registered to vote she she got over 50,000 people registered to vote and Brian Kemp was running the election and running for governor at the same time as Secretary of State he was running the election and he refused to put those 50,000 people on the voting rolls and instead took 200,000 people off the voting rolls? And then he won by a 51,000 vote margin? That story is well known in Georgia now. Uh, You have, uh, Georgia's getting younger, it's getting more diverse, it's getting bluer, it's getting smarter. I mean, you know, Joe, Joe Biden won the state, you've got John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock both won their seats in the Senate. Uh, Stacey Abrams now has relatively universal name recognition, which is a great thing, not just in Georgia, but around the country for fundraising. I have donated money to her campaign in the the past, so I'm I'm getting fundraising letters from her all the time. She's doing great. And then on top of that, when Brian Kemp came out and said, yeah, Joe Biden actually won Georgia. You know, he's the governor now because he threw all those voters off the voting rolls uh, when he ran against Stacey Abrams last time um because he said yeah biden won trump has gone out and said hey let's get a different governor for georgia he wants david purdue in there who is the former senator no relation to the chicken company although everybody thinks he is and therefore oh he must be a good rich guy we'll vote for him right, in the republican world but in any case uh he's facing a primary challenge from purdue and this is gonna bloody up as it were it's gonna it's gonna make it more difficult for either Kemp or Purdue to beat Stacey Abrams this time around, even in the face of all this voter suppression, even with places like Lincoln County shutting down six out of seven voting locations. And that's just the first one that they're doing in Georgia. I mean, they're just, they're starting now. There's gonna be a whole bunch more of this stuff happening over the next six months. They're gonna do as much of it as possible, as close to the election as possible, so it kind of flies under the radar. But I think that there is a very good chance that Stacey Abrams can flip Georgia blue. And I'm very enthusiastic about that, and I encourage you to check out her campaign sites and and uh, do what you can to support, not just Stacey Abrams specifically, but Democratic candidates, people who are going to push back on Republican neo-fascism across the country. And Georgia is one of the, ma- my old hometown, right? I, I lived, or not hometown, but, Louise and I lived in Atlanta for, I think, 11 years. And, uh, you know, let's take back Georgia. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally-sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com Hartman with two ends or enter the code HARTMAN the two Ns, before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity, and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro-kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple-glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted 2 weeks in advance, so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com/hartman with 2 ends or enter the code hartman with 2 ends before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code hartman or going to cookunity.com/hartman
1: Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery.
4: Okay, crazy alert. Steve Bannon is uh, going after Lindsey Graham as a scumbag for being a secret MAGA traitor. This is very weird. Uh, this is, he's, he's, first of all, he's going off on, on uh, Joe Biden yesterday. I mentioned this in the first hour of the program. Joe Biden yesterday said he has five Republican senators who have told him, you know, I like what you're doing. I like your agenda. I would vote for it, except that I'll get primaried. And uh, that would be the end of, of me. And so Bannon is like, who are these five traitors? These scumbags, these slime balls? He's got five Republican senators who've told him they agree with what they're doing. He's just like, oh, going nuts on this. And then he's wondering if one of them is Lindsey Graham. This is how bullies work. Remember when Ted Cruz was groveling a week or two ago for, for Tucker Carlson on Fox News? I mean, just groveling. Remember how Ted Cruz was groveling at the feet of Donald Trump after Donald Trump said his wife, that Cruz's wife was ugly and his dad killed John Kennedy? At first, Cruz was like, you can't say my wife is ugly. Well, yeah, okay, I guess my wife is ugly compared to your wife. I say, you know, okay, that's fine. Sorry, Mr. Trump. Please forgive me. Well, this is how bullies work. They slap around people and and then say, okay, now behave the way I want you to behave. And this is what Bannon is doing right now to Lindsey Graham. I'm guessing he wants Lindsey Graham to be on his show. And Lindsey Graham has been saying, no. And so now he's slapping around Lindsey Graham. So expect Lindsey Graham to go on Steve Bannon's show uh, soon and beg and grovel and, and sn- simper the same way that uh, Ted Cruz did. I mean, <laughs> this is the Republican Party. This is today's Republican Party. It's amazing. Okay, picking up your phone calls, Mark in Sauk City, Wisconsin. Hey, Mark, what's on your mind today?
8: Hey, yeah, you're talking about free speech, and and uh, I couldn't help but think about uh, Governor DeSantis down there in Florida saying that oh, you can't you can't say anything that makes something so makes white people feel bad or right. makes them uncomfortable. For the, that for passed the world, their
4: house, by the way, yesterday.
8: It, it, it just is ridiculous. I mean, that if you show a picture of somebody who's, you know, that somebody got beaten, you know, that uh, it makes me feel bad, makes me feel uncomfortable. Is that something he wants to ban? I mean, it, it just is. It's times like these I regret the FCC, you know, limitations on our speech. Yeah. I mean, that.
4: Well, I guarantee you, by the way, Mark, that Ron DeSantis would be the first guy, if he needed to, to pull a Willie Horton strategy out of his back pocket in an election. You know, here's a scary black guy, look out, look out. Uh, you know, be worried, be worried, be afraid, be afraid. And, you know, and then he's saying, but, you know, we shouldn't use fear or use any, we shouldn't tell our children any historical facts that might make them feel uncomfortable, even though the, the our little white children, even though the little black child next to them is confronting that racism every day
8: it, it, it is it's it's ridiculous I mean, these are arguments we have been having since the founding of the republic i mean that there's arguments in the constitutional convention about you know men making stuff that would say stuff that would make ron de you know uncomfortable about us wrenching people away from africa and th- casting them into slavery yeah. i mean is that something ron de thinks should be banned you know the notes from you know, jefferson made on the constitutional convention
4: you know, the, Madison made those, yeah, but Madison yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I get your point, and it, it's, it's, it's not even hypocrisy. It's cynicism. They just don't care. They think that okay, we can manipulate white voters by scaring them about black people. Uh, people are very protective of their children, so we will target the scare into the children, and this is how we're going to win elections, so that we can continue to have you know, uh, neurologically damaging to children pesticides in our food supply. We can continue to have tax breaks for billionaires and let working people, you know, pay for the cost of the country. And we can continue to, uh, you know, help employers break unions. I mean, that's, that's what's going on. Mark, thank you for the call. Julie in Indian Trail, North Carolina. Hey, Julie, what's up?
9: Hi, um, thanks for taking the call. Um, you are just um, come back to all this information I can't possibly do myself. I really appreciate it.
4: Thank you. And thank you, thank, uh, Sean, and Louise, and, and Nate, and, and uh, Joyce, and, and my team, too, because this is a collaborative effort.
9: <laughs> wow. Well, thank all of you. This is great. I just want to make a couple of comments and then hear um, your uh, opinion on that. Um, you talk about pushing back on some of this um, talk, but how do you do that when uh, on the local talk radio is just shouting things like they're mocking climate change? As over-exaggerated and then another one had said like pink hats and and social justice warriors aren't going to change the world only the men are I mean how do you push back on that and that's constantly be saying and they're boasting that DeSantis um, should be the next president and
4: yeah and, you tell the truth Julie um, I mean that's all we can do we don't have the huge media megaphone that the right has um, it has not been built over the years. It's a, a strategic blunder, in my opinion, but we are where we are. So we don't have that huge media megaphone, but what we do have is truth on our side. And I think it's important that all of us tell the truth and defend the truth, whether it's on social media, and it's amazing how the trolls come out of the woodwork when you do that in your church, in your family gatherings, and your, you know, whatever it may be. We all have some venue wherein we can tell the truth and, 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 and participate with those organizations that are trying to get the truth out and that are trying to get people elected who actually hold to the truth. Okay. Julie, thank you so much for the call. It's, it's, it's a really difficult question. Let me give you an example. Over at Daily Kos, you know, I've, I've talked before about how uh, Daily Kos is, uh, you know, has done some just really great election work. And uh, there's, let me see if I can find this article here. I just, yeah, here it is. Uh, it's right at the top, in fact, D-A-I-L-Y-K-O-S dot com. Uh, the headline, this is by David Neer for Daily Co's Elections. Uh, it's titled, The FBI Just Raided This Conservative Democrat's Home. Uh, and Henry Quaylar, who is a, a Democratic member of the House of Representatives from Texas, uh, was just busted by the air, raided his house and his computers and everything, raided by the FBI. Nobody knows why. Uh, it's probably some sort of corruption thing. Quaylor is like one of the last of the anti abortion Democrats in the House who, who wants to criminalize abortion in the United States. And he votes with the Republicans, uh, you know, from time to time, particularly on this issue, but on many other issues as well. And he's, even though he's being raided by the FBI, as, and so he's a Democrat that, you know, hey, you want to replace a Democrat? Let's start here with Henry Quaylor. And uh, now you've got uh, Jessica Cisneros who is going to run against him in the primary. And Daily Kos has got a link, please donate now to help Cisneros uh, protect the seat for Democrats. And this is the kind of you know activism that we can all engage in at home. Just so go to dailykos.com and check out that top story and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. They're doing great work over there. Anna in Cosa Mesa, California. Hey Anna, what's on your mind today?
1: I've been talking to my uh, husband constantly about wanting to march for um, protecting voter rights, and there's no march to join. And um, I've been thinking that, you know, the day after um, the former disgraced, impeach, twice impeached president was inaugurated, women hit the streets, and we marched by the millions, the tens of millions. And um, this was worldwide. We marched and we marched. We marched for four years every year. I marched all four years. And um, we need to get out. As Americans, all of us, and march and call our representatives, write to them, and make our voices heard. And this is this is important. We marched when we knew that the disgraced former guy would do terrible things and would be a wrecking ball. But we marched before he even did anything, and uh, in anticipation of all the damage. And that was tomorrow, and, uh,
4: by the way. Tomorrow the anniversary of that.
1: Right. So um, I am appealing to all your listeners. Um, We need some kind of an organization strategy. Pick a day, a day where we all hit the streets and march for miles by the tens of millions. Make our voices heard. Um, I think this is really important. I mean, the the man hadn't even done anything. We knew he would. So we marched. um, It was proper that we did. And we anticipated all the damage that he would do. But damage is being done. Already, laws are on the books. All over the country in red states, where they're going to not just suppress the vote, but subvert the vote, nullify yep. the vote, change the and, elections. Um, yeah. Exactly, and and uh, we can't withstand this. You know, from multiple. Battle points, flashpoints across the country after the um, November election in 22, and um, also too, the former disgrace guy said the quiet part out loud when he said it doesn't matter who votes; it's important
4: who counts the votes. Right, he was quoting um, Joe Stalin. Anna, exactly. I'm I'm with you 100%. The problem is we're in the middle of a pandemic right now, um, the worst part of the the latest phase of it. I, that, that's going to be over in a couple of months, and I'm with you. And I'm I, I'm guessing that you're going to see organizations pulling together once the once that calms down. Anna, thank you for the call. You're
3: listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives.
4: Karen in Winter Haven, Florida. Hey, Karen, what's on your mind?
1: I have some news that Dr. Eric Feigelding uh, put on his Twitter yesterday about a problem that they're seeing that can occur in um, in men with a deep thrombosis to the penis from covid causing blood clots. And what it what happens is they get a, a permanent erection to where they can't function properly. And they have to be given uh, blood thinners for about two months to try and get back to normal. And I think if that news would get out, we'd have a lot more men getting vaccines.
4: Yeah. And then after that, by the way, you're penis might not work like it normally did before, <laughs> which, is, right. which is, I mean, you know, if you, if you were to say to, to some men, you know, if you, if you get COVID, it's going to give you a giant erection. Uh, they would think, oh, that's wonderful news. You say, no, no, it's extremely painful, and it lasts for weeks. (laughs) But then after that, it doesn't even work anymore. Um, So, yeah, Karen, uh, I I have highlighted that. This is, uh, by the way, not something that was just recently discovered. I mean, we we have known for at least a year now that uh, impotence and and, uh, erectile dysfunction are common side effects of symptomatic COVID. And, uh, you know, and another good reason to try to be that part, you know, part of that probably roughly half the population that's just going to escape it altogether, at least, uh, you know, in its current iteration. Sherry in Seattle. Hey, Sherry, what's on your mind today?
9: Are you aware of the Poor
4: People's Campaign?
9: Oh, yeah. I just wanted to make the announcement. Yeah, so the Poor People's Campaign had a press conference on Friday. They were on Democracy Now! earlier this week. They've announced a mass Poor People's and Wage Workers Assembly and Moral March on Washington, on Washington, uh, June 18th. Great. as well as um, and march to the polls. So they're, they're, they're calling for a season of action. So I think that instead of us all being demoralized about what's going on in the Senate about voting rights, go to poorpeoplescampaign.org. They have uh, groups in 45 states. They have 200 uh, organizations working with them. It's poor people, low-wage workers, religious workers, voting rights activists. So it's a whole cross section of America. And I think we need to get back in the streets. I mean, we saw changes coming from all of the tremendous action with Black Lives Matter earlier last summer. And Poor People's Campaign was also really involved right before the uh, presidential elections. They sent tens of thousands of letters, you know, demanding like campaign. They are definitely calling for people to get in the streets again and get active.
4: Yeah. And, and and good on them. And I'm, I I didn't know about that. I I do now. In fact, we should probably reach out to Reverend Barber and see if he wants to come on and plug it. But uh, June is perfect because that, that was my point to the caller earlier is I don't think even though, you know, tomorrow is the anniversary of of the Women's March and, you know, today was the anniversary of Joe Biden being sworn into office. Um, I don't think that in the middle of the Omicron, Omicron part of the pandemic, mm-hmm. Um, it's a good time to be saying, hey, everybody, let's all get together when apparently this is just so contagious that, you know, masks right. help, but they don't help like they used to help, you know. Um, right. But by June, I think it's going to be under control and we're going to have, herb, uh, we should be damn close to herd immunity.
9: Yes, and June people have plenty of time to plan. Make your plans mm-hmm. now. There you just go. Get active. Start talking to your friends. All it takes is a grassroots kind of thing. Just talking to people you know, and don't get demoralized by what's going on. We just have to get out in the streets because that's really, I think, that's the only thing that's going to cause the change that we need.
4: Yeah, I'm with you. It's uh, and yeah. what's what's visible. Uh, particularly you know, visible in newsworthy ways is is what does produce change. You're absolutely right. Sherry, thank yes. you. Thanks for the heads yes. up on and that. And
9: write letters to the editor. Write letters to the editor about anything you're concerned about, because that's another way to get your view out out, and to get the media to cover what we want them to cover.
4: So Great. write on. those
9: letters, people. There you go.
4: Sherry, thank you so much. Dave in Auburn, uh, California. Hey, Dave, what's up?
6: Hi, Tom. Great show. Thank you. Uh, very briefly, the uh, Supreme Court decision to knock down the 100 uh, people on taking the shot for COVID, mm-hmm. I don't think it had anything to do with COVID. I think they're trying to neuter any uh, system that regulates. So that was more anti-regulation than anti-COVID.
4: I agree. I agree. This the, the, what What we have now in the... Apparently, excuse me, what we apparently have with the majority of the Supreme Court now is a belief that federal regulatory agencies are illegitimate, by and large. Um, And and they're just going to start picking them off one at a time. And this was their way of kneecapping OSHA, and they did it. And, uh, you know, it's going to get worse before it gets better because. Uh, Every
10: time they get a chance, they will take it.
4: Yep, anyway, I, that, I agree. That's all I got to say. Well, you said it very well, Dave. Thanks a lot for the call. Mark in Portland. Hey, Mark, what's on your mind today?
3: Hey, Tom, I think earlier you you were talking about um, free speech and, uh, you know, what is considered free speech and so on, and if people can lie. But what I'm wondering is if news, if, you know, what's great about your books is that you source everything. You've got, a you know, bibliography, you've got footnotes, you've got all that stuff. You source the information you're giving to us, and that's greatly appreciated, and we take you very seriously. But I'm wondering if if the FCC has the power to insert rules to television networks, uh, news networks, that you must put a banner across um, uh, the bottom of your screen that that sources your assertions and what you're saying. And uh, so whether it's, you know, The Onion (laughs) or The New York Times or whatever it is where this information was gotten, or Pravda, uh, the the, the public has a right to know where you got the sourced information. I'm wondering if the FCC has that power to insert a rule that all news organizations should do that or could do that.
4: I'm quite sure they don't. And uh, because that would be challenged as an infringement on on free speech rights. But in addition, I'm not sure it would be all that effective, Mark. I mean, you know, the the Federal Elections Commission put into place a a, a, which didn't even exist before 1974. I mean, this came out of the Nixon scandals, right, the bribery scandals. Um, And the Federal Election Commission put in a rule that said that uh, when you run an ad, you have to disclose who's paying for the ad so what happened was you know big pharma or big oil or big banks or you know name your industry um, they started coming up with 501 c3 or c4 front groups that they would name something like citizens for responsible government citizens for reasonable energy policies citizens for a better america and that's now what it says on the ad where they're lying through their teeth to you about how you know jay Inslee's program is going to jack up the price of your gasoline so even if they had to say our source is that source would probably say citizensforresponsiblegovernment.org you know or something like that. I mean the the the, the weasels will always find a way around these things. That's why it, it we, I I don't think that we can rely on regulation. Uh in addition to the, the point I made earlier that regulation can be used against you, um I don't think the regulation outside of ownership kind of regulation. I'm talking content regulation. I don't think we can rely on content regulation at all. What we have to do is educate the American people, and and frankly, I think that you know the the idea of local ownership rules is is where we need to go next. But yeah, thanks a lot, Mark, for the call. Uh, Shelby in Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, Shelby.
0: What's up, Brother Tom? Uh happy New Year belated and I am really delighted with the dialogue that you opened with because I think after our devastating uh loss uh last night in the context of uh really what we knew would go down, um it was clearly known they had said that they were not gonna vote for the change. We choose you this day, as Joshua said. Uh, as you stated earlier, that we are, as King said in his 57th speech, that we are to love our enemies and that we have to discover uh, to make a new world, uh, an old world new. That was in his 57th speech called Loving Your Enemies. So here we go now where we must now intersect our loss of the voting rights uh, change to activism, and making it so that we can uh, have more senators and uh, a greater margin. I think that the Warnack speech last night to get to Georgia, which is what my call is about, because Stacy uh, Abrams, and I'm part of a, of a group of folk who are working hard to ensure that she does get the trifecta, uh with uh, Warnock, Ossoff, and her leading that state change because of its uh, pure... Um, outreach of, you know, historical marker with being the king uh, state uh, Mm -hmm. in terms of the home state in Ebenezer. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that when I look at the uh, uh, context of what we must do, Stacy has got us looking at the mayors. We have over 2,000-plus dem mayors in the country. Mayors are at the root of local activism for uh, their water, sewer, all the kinds of daily quality of life issues, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that that's going to be uh, one of our activisms. Reverend Warnock, of course, uh, in his uh, speech about where we are with regard to, we're at a moral um, dilemma right now. I think we stand Mm -hmm. uh, really at the moral crises. Um, We Between January 5th, where we're swinging from a moral dilemma, between Mm -hmm. January 5th and the 6th. And 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 we, but we still must create the redemptive power of love, and do that with our lips and our legs. As the Bishop Curry, who came from National Cathedral, to be with us at Ebenezer, to give us the beloved sermon on Monday, that the beloved community that elected this administration is what they're fighting against. This is the Southern Manifesto that they're fighting, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we're back again with Brown, uh, uh, with 54, with Southern Manifesto, with Storm Thurmond, this unlawful and unconstitutional assault. And we thank you, Tom, for lifting up the voice of hope on this anniversary that elected the diverse, beloved community that did elect an administration. We just must push them. We must push forward. We will not get weary. We will not get fainted, and we will do the good works. That is what we have to do, Tom.
4: That is absolutely what we have to do, Shelby. And you said it better than I could have. And uh, it, it, it was so. Uh, that was so perfect. And 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 thank you so much, Shelby, for for a moment of inspiration and and uh, yeah, inspiration. <laughs> Amen. Kirk in Bremerton, Washington. Hey, Kirk, thanks for watching Free Speech. What's up?
11: About a week ago, I read this kind of provocative article that a person wrote about the sort of national um, tradition of preserving old homes because they're inefficient, you know, with retrofitting and updating an old home.
4: Yeah, uh, Um, Louise and I have done it with several houses where we've I mean, we had one house that was built in 1856 and, and uh, you know, as a summer cottage, it was completely uninsulated. And we turned it into a into a very, you know, uh, energy efficient house.
11: Yeah, it took a lot of work,
4: um, a lot of time.
11: Oh, oh abs- absolutely. But, you know, it, it's doable. And I, I think, you know, rather than tear that down and create a, a pile of waste that yeah. uh, creates another problem. Um, don't do that but, but it, it spurred a thought in me that sort of is a twofer um, and it relates to uh, I, I believe in the same article it said that housing uh, generates 40% of greenhouse gases in uh, the United States and so uh, I, I thought of maybe a mod, uh, sort of a, a modification to the Green New Deal um, obviously it's going to take some very pr- progressive politicians to do this but um, I think it would be very appealing to incentivize the homeowners and landowners by just, get, instead of doing like carbon tax off, offsets to corporations that are manipulated, give money, to give that money directly to land and homeowners to incentivize them to um, develop the uh, unused portion of their property, if it's say a quarter acre lot or a third acre lot, and put two additional housing units on that piece of property. and and subsidize them for it. Um, Here in Washington State, the the legislative session just started, and there's a bill that's going to go up again. It hasn't made it through before, but they're going to try again, where zoning um, restrictions are set by the state so that up to six units can be uh, built in half-mile radius of any transit source. So this would sort of fall within that same category of you know, changing zoning and changing sort of the nimbiest um, viewpoint that uh, this dilutes my property values and right. uh, I'm against this because my, my home is my most valuable asset. Right. If you give people money to utilize that asset for the better of everyone.
4: Or suspend I, property tax increases. Typically, uh, that, when you increase yeah. the value of your home or your property by adding, you know, putting another building on it, you're going to see an increase in your property taxes. Just, just pausing that would be a big incentive, it seems to me.
11: Yeah, that's that's a that's a great additional take on it. So I don't know how you could pass it along with your mouthpiece, but it came to me um, after yeah, well, reading this article did. that I think
4: was sort of misguided. <laughs> I think you just did, Rick uh, Kirk. Excuse me. Thank you very much for the call. That's uh, you know, the housing is a huge issue. And, uh, it, and it needs a lot more attention, both in terms of its impact on the environment, and its impact on our economy, and our, its impact on our culture and society. Um, and, and now that we've got you know, hedge funds in the housing business and foreign governments in the housing business in the United States, it's, uh, it's getting weird. Nick in Huntington, West Virginia. Hey, Nick, what's up?
12: Hey, I'd like to read a little bit of the article out of the Charleston Gazette for you. Uh, nine protesters are arrested for blocking Canal Boulevard, and that's the main uh, capital up in Charleston, West Virginia, protesting about the, were they, uh, the, on the vote about the.
4: Joe Manchin they, and, the, and the, the voting rights?
12: Well, yes, exactly right. So we are starting to see, even in our state, some uh, civil protests. And if I wouldn't have been working that day, I'd have probably been one arrested too. Good but on I you. I happened Nick. to be at work that day. Good on you. But,
4: um, well, thank thank you very much for the heads up on that, and for the call from West yeah. Virginia, and and I do appreciate it. And it's always nice to hear from you, Nick. Thank you so much. Charles in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Hey, Charles, what's up?
10: With regards to what's going to be happening here in the next well, maybe four months, I think a lot of things are going to be happening with televising prime time of the. On so the nine with the one six uh, committee. Mm-hmm. And then also I am looking at the numbers. I'm seeing maybe thirty percent, a hardcore thirty percent for Trump. Other than that, he's got nothing. And the GOP realized that and, and if they're gonna latch their, their their you know, they're gonna wrestle this this thing around and, and hope that he's gonna they're gonna he's gonna take him into the twenty two 2022 elections i think they're, they're just dreaming i just think mm-hmm. you know they're with them until they're
4: not and i think we're at that point it's it's a it's an extraordinary and interesting dynamic charles and and uh, these guys have to be you know very carefully threading that needle i, I you got you know like rounds and and uh, uh, even Mitch McConnell I mean you know came out and, and said yeah trump trump lost the election he's a loser and, AND TRUMP IS GOING BALLISTIC o- OVER THIS STUFF. Um, I THINK THAT THE PARTY, YOU KNOW, I, THE CONVENTIONAL WISDOM IS THAT THE BASE IS SO IN LOVE WITH DONALD TRUMP THAT REPUBLICAN POLITICIANS ARE CATERING TO THE BASE IN ORDER TO GET, YOU KNOW, QUACK, QUACK, QUACK. They, THAT'S THE MAIN STORY. I DON'T THINK THAT'S WHAT'S GOING ON. I THINK WHAT'S GOING ON IS THAT THE REPUBLICAN PARTY HAS BEEN CYNICALLY USING DONALD TRUMP'S BIG LIE ABOUT THE ELECTIONS TO PASS LAWS to make it easier for Republicans to hold power in the future, to, to give them the ability to decide the outcome of elections, regardless of what the voters say, to give them the ability to throw voting you know, voters off the voting rolls with no consequence whatsoever, particularly in heavily democratic areas. Uh, which they've been doing for some time anyway, but they, they've added you know, additional power to that. And, and of course, to make it harder for people to vote who live in minority communities, um, to take over the voting system, all this stuff, this all came out of Trump's big lie. So they got an incredible benefit out of Trump's you know, pathetic efforts to, to hang on to power and to claim the righteousness of his power. And now that it's starting to fall apart, and particularly I think your point of January 6th uh, hearings in the House, when these hearings start start happening, I think you're going to see more and more Republicans. So far, it's just been Republican senators who, ha- who are absolutely safe politically. But I think pretty soon you're going to start seeing more and more of them walking away. Charles, thanks for the call. I mean, I, I may be wrong. And if you think that there's some other strategy at play here, I'd love to hear it. But I think this is what's going on. I don't think they're running scared. I think they're, they've got what they want. you
3: listening to the Tom Hartman
4: program. And it is all about voter suppression for these guys. Brett in Seattle. Hey, Brett, what's on your mind today? Oh, hello, Tom. Um, I have an idea, a uh,
2: suggestion for what to call the January 6th insurrectionists. Mm-hmm. Now, the cons are always accusing us on the left of being uncompromising. They want to call the January 6th insurrectionists tourists, while we on the left want to call them domestic terrorists. So my suggestion is that we combine the two and call them tourists.
4: Tourists. (laughs) Domestic tourists. Uh, Yeah, I I think we should just stick with terrorists. They were a terrorist is a person who uses violence to try to achieve a political end. Uh, You know, it's just like, you know, right out of the dictionary. And it's if, just a way
2: of using humor to rub their noses in it.
4: Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. That's a good one, Brett. Thanks thanks a lot for the call. Uh, Leonard in Albany, New York. Hey, Leonard, what's on your mind today? How you doing, Tom? I'm well. What's up?
2: I just want to say that the country won't go back to the same until Donald Trump and a bunch, a bunch of Republicans who have followed him go to jail.
4: I think you may be right. I mean, I think it's yeah, going to the take. So uh, at, at the, uh, I think it's going to take something really drastic. Although we have to remember, you know, Adolf Hitler went to jail and it strengthened him. I mean, this is why Steve is, Bannon is what, saying, what, "Yes, yes, what, send me what, to jail, please."
2: Yeah, but that that, that was uh, Germany. This is America. You know, we get, we got a lot of Americans that are not that way.
4: Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, you know, our Constitution and everything, uh, we're not going to
4: let that let happen. Yeah. Well, I hope you're right, Leonard. I really and truly do. Uh, thank you very much for the call. I, You know, getting them into the jail is going to be the big challenge, but, uh, you know, stay tuned. Mike in Annapolis, Maryland. Hey, Mike. What's up? Hey, Tom.
10: Uh, look, thanks for what you do, listen to you just about every day. Um, you mentioned before a, uh, a remark by uh, President Trump about uh, the Republicans being at a disadvantage because of the um, because of, uh, voting rights if they favor Democrats. Uh, that was also, that came up also in the, um, in the uh, uh, at the Supreme Court. Michael Carbon uh, was uh, Trump's uh, lawyer. And he's, his, the quote that I have here from Mother Jones was, because it puts us at a disadvantage relative to Democrats. Uh, pol- politics is a zero sum game. So. Right. He was
4: arguing that it wasn't race that they were doing when they were gerrymandering um, or voter suppression. I, I don't recall which it was. Um, that it was politics, and politics is acceptable. Am I remembering that correctly?
10: Uh, I don't have everything here. But uh, but it, it's certainly uh, very similar to what you were talking about earlier, and I yeah. thought I would uh, I it out. Yeah. Uh, it, it was actually in response to a, a question from Amy Conan Barrett about counting ballots that may have been passed in a, a, a different precinct. Uh, right. But nonetheless, uh, valid ballots.
4: Right. They were they were they were they were trying to get ballots thrown out. Yeah, I get it. Mike, thank you, thank you for the call, and thanks for the details. I, I'm telling you, we have the smartest listeners. On Earth, it is such a privilege to hang out with you people every day. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another
7: weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the
2: road. With available H track, all wheel drive, and three row seating, my whole family
4: can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Christopher in Vancouver, Washington. Hey, Christopher, what's up? I would like to talk about what our options are. I'm not
2: concerned about the voting on the federal level. I'm concerned about the state level. Those guys have kind of like, talk about gerrymandered. They've yeah. got this all wired up, it seems.
4: Well, and this has always been the case. I mean, you know, Jim Crow started at the state level, uh, all of these things. They've always started at the state level. In fact, uh, uh, immediately after the Constitution was ratified and the United States became a country in 1789, from 1789 until the 1820s, when the South started undergoing a really radical change as a result of the cotton gin, um, you had people in northern states, you had African Americans who were voting, you had women who were voting in in Rhode Island in uh, New Jersey as i recall in i mean there were several states where the franchise was really wide open and then you know everything collapsed and closed down in the in the 1820s and 1830s but it was all driven at the state level you're absolutely right
2: and that's that's what my concern is because when they when they when they uh, when this voting is 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 not in their favor they're going to do some they're going to do some dastardly things and they, they don't they don't care. Oh, they, don't, they already have. I
4: mean, look at what happened on January 6th. It was because they lost that election. Exactly. So I guess my concern is is and
2: looking forward to your opinion and is can do if they throw out ballots without and evidence and give give the election to a Republican, can the DOJ step in? Can the ACLU step in? Can the ADL step in and sue these folks? I think and so. I mean,
4: the, the I, Constitution you know, says that the, the states, the federal government shall ensure the states a, a Republican form of government. And uh, Republican form of government, I believe, uh, has been interpreted over the years to mean the right of people to vote for their elected representatives. So I think that's the basis of a lawsuit, but I'm, you know, I'm well, that's what guy. I
2: feel, but, that we're asking Merrick Garland to step up again, but he's got to do this because they'll yeah. appeal it to the Supreme Court. Yeah. So this is another reason for us to to ex- expand the Supreme Court. Because the way it is now, they'll just go with the states when these Republican guys. So that's, that's my concern. And I think people have to be aware that these folks in these states are going to do what they're going to do. Now, there's no concern in Washington state. We have a democratic governor and a house and a senate and mail-in so, voting. And we 100% mail-in voting. And, and exactly. And I was going to say that too. Mail-in voting. So I'm not too concerned about this state, but I'm concerned about the other ones, and what these people can do is just going to, you know, this is this is how democracy dies, and and I'm I'm this is this is my concern. So I think that your listeners are savvy on this, but. But all these other groups have got to step up. We have to sue these states. We have to sue them and ask them: Where is the evidence that these ballots have to be thrown out?
4: Yeah, yeah. We need to get Ben Jealous back on. He's he's one of the guys who are really leading this effort with People for the American Way, and he's doing such such great work. Christopher, thank Thank you. you. Thanks for the call. Kathy in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Hey, Kathy. What's on your mind today?
0: Hi, Tom. Um, I just want to say earlier you were talking about that mess psychosis, or I don't know the exact name mm-hmm. that the, um, the podcasters are talking about. Yeah. What's ironic to me is, I know it's not a real thing, as he said, but it sounds like they're describing them so like MAGA people, people that follow Trump. Yeah. In fact, one point he actually says, I alone can fix it. That's exactly what Trump said, so it's kind of ironic that they don't see that. Maybe we should call it mass delusion? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like, did that, that yeah. strikes me.
4: I don't think
0: that's exactly the way that you
4: would describe them. There's a mind-boggling amount of projection <laughs> that goes on on, on that side, Kathy. Uh, it's, it's really quite remarkable. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was interesting. Anyway, thank you so much. Sure, thank you. For, thanks for the call. Gary in Alpharetta, Georgia. Hey, Gary, yesterday we didn't have time for your FDR quote.
12: Quickly, a question I have. If it isn't January 6th that breaks the fever, what will it be? It's going to be something, but boy, oh boy, what will it be? Yeah, having I... said that, having said that, this, this thirst for power by these by these imbeciles, these fools, it's it's very, very addictive, and that's what's going on with them. It turned into a cult. Yeah. And And we have to move forward, but to move forward, we have to recognize, in my humble opinion, we have to recognize what's motivating what the core problem is, and the core problem is entrenched greed. That's the core problem, and the more people we can, the more Americans can recognize that, it will help to turn this around. And having said all that, I think the time has come to hear Franklin Delvin Roosevelt when he said this, we have always known that heedless self-interest was bad morals, we know now that is bad economics. Hmm.
4: Yeah, that's brilliant. And Period. yeah, yeah. Very well said. Gary, thank you. And I'm glad you got through and could share that. Good. Thank you very much. Mike in Redding, Pennsylvania. Hey, Mike, what's up?
12: Yeah. Hi, Tom. I uh, wanted to talk about Democratic messaging or lack of it.
4: Mm-hmm. OK, so
12: Joe Biden, I think, has just proved in one year that bottom up economy works much, much better than the trickle down. Yeah, we've been doing for the last 40 years. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's. He's. Uh, the economy's growing at 6%. Wages are up. 6 million new jobs. Uh, unemployment at a 50 year low. Stock market 5,000 higher than. We have the healthiest Trump's economy
4: since the 1960s in the middle of a damn pandemic. You're really? right.
12: Yeah. It's, so why aren't we messaging this? Because anytime I talk to a right winger, they, they tell me this is BS or. Uh, it's because there's
4: no we. You say, why aren't we messaging it? There are there there yeah. are not hundreds of radio stations, or thought, or over a thousand radio stations across America carrying right. progressive programming, or even anything remotely democratic uh, in you right. know B- Big D. There are there are there's only one television network that really carries genuine progressives, uh, and that's Free Speech TV, which is considered obscure, and and yeah. and, and you know won't do self promotion. You've got, uh, I mean, it's just. We is not big enough to do the kind of messaging necessary to wake up all of America. It's it's sad, it's unfortunate that the Democrats never took this seriously back you know decades ago when a lot of us, Randy Rhodes and me and others, Sam Cedar, we were screaming at them about it, but uh, they didn't. Yeah. Mike, i got to run. Denise in Calumet, Michigan. Hey, Denise, what's on your mind today?
1: Oh, wow, after that, I think I forgot. No, I'm just kidding.
4: <laughs> we- we have just a minute here, Denise.
1: I've been calling my senators, um, Peters and Stabenow, and asking them why are they letting Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema run our country, and why aren't they taking away their powers?
4: I agree. I so, agree. The fear, I mean, the, the concern, I mean, we've got two senators who are owned by the right-wing billionaire network in the fossil fuel industry, and, the right. ph- and Big Pharma. And, right. and uh, you know, they, they may as well be Republicans, and the problem that, that Schumer has, and, and Biden has is if they push these guys hard enough, they will become Republicans. And then it's game over. You know, the Republicans right. at that point control the Senate.
1: So they can't take away their chairmanships and their no. senator powers. Uh, I mean they could
4: just get worse They could but they would it would just flip the power of the Senate. I mean, you know, and 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 Mitch McConnell has already made it very clear in public that if Manchin and Cinema, if either one of them want to become Republicans, he's going to give them even more power than they have right now under the Democrats. It's a oh tough one. The, 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 the solution to this, Denise, is not going to come this year. The solution to this is going to come next year if we can elect a couple of extra Democrats to the Senate. And Ron Johnson deciding he's going to run for re-election in Wisconsin, that's a good thing because he's such yeah. an idiot. In all probability, he's going to lose. Exactly. And, you know, so if we can make Mansion and Cinema irrelevant, that's what we have to do. Uh, Denise, i got to run, but thanks for the call. Thank you for being with us today. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. In the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires you. So get out there, get active tag. You're in.
3: You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.